welcome to the Fleet Geeks podcast. We're here to help develop fleet and transport professionals. Do you want to progress and develop your skills and knowledge? We promise to bring lively conversation and debate around interesting issues and keep you bang up to date with changes in our awesome industry. The Fleet Geeks are a community of professionals and if you enjoy the podcast, why not join the discussion for free in the Fleet Geek community over on Facebook. Jesus, look at us, not, not even know <laughs> what we're doing. Who are we? What are we doing? Huh? <laughs> we're, we're recording this on a Monday morning. You can't you tell, folks. <laughs> Welcome to the Fleet Geeks podcast. And uh, with me today on this uh, lovely Monday morning uh, is, is both Jamie and Pete. So we've got a full house today, including me, Mike. Uh, full house today to talk about restricted operators license. And uh, who wants to kick this one off, gents? Go on, yeah, Jamie. Yeah, I'll, I'll kick this question off. Uh, yeah, so restricted operators. Um, what's the difference between them and a standard, really? That's the question. The big I mean, question. That's kind of the question that when we were thinking about the, uh, the subject for this podcast, that was kind of what we were discussing in the office, wasn't it, between us? You know, what is the difference? And I think a lot of people will point to the legislative difference when they say, and, uh, you, know, I, I'm, you know, almost put, put a fine in, a biscuit or a cake fine for this. Oh, you don't need an opera you don't need a transport manager with a restricted operator's license. I don't think that's true. What do you guys reckon? Yeah, by name, perhaps that's the only difference, isn't it? By name, someone yeah. can run effectively manage the operation. Yeah, I think um, well, they absolutely need a transport manager. I don't even understand why we have restricted operators. Why even do we have restricted operators? Was it to make it more cost effective, or like what? I don't really understand uh, why we have restricted well, operators. I, I, but I think it's historic. Uh, I think it's historical. If you go back to the the, the, you know, the back end of the nineteen sixties when we first saw that as part of the Leave transport of Mark. No, I, I, <laughs> I go back to the nineteen sixties. Yeah. <laughs> Ask granddad about it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so at the back end of the sixties when we had the Transport Act, and that was the first time we saw an operator's license in its current guise. Um, and of course, at that point, we weren't talking about uh, the EU. And of course, over time, we've inherited uh, the EU piece, which is uh, we're talking about standard standard licenses, the standard national and the standard international, which require a transport manager and is a quite specific um, description of a transport manager and a, a criteria for a transport manager. But we're still left with this hangover, this restricted operator's license. Uh, for those people who are operating um, vehicles carrying, you know, essentially their own goods on their own account. So that's that's why we've got the legislation. I think, oh, that's where we are, where we are. But I mean, t- in, t- in today's world, you know, is that really necessary? Yeah, really I think I think the, the big the big challenge is, is that essentially a restricted operator can have no uh, no knowledge of transport regulation within their business, yeah. and ultimately they'll run their business because they're an own account operator. Their, their transport side of their business is a cost base. And naturally, you're going to reduce that. As a business owner, you're going to look to reduce that or minimise or mitigate the costs as much as possible, which means cutting corners. So we've got a level of ignorance. We've got a level of apathy. Um, and essentially, we've just got this, you know, essentially looking to run a business as profitably as possible so therefore to to mitigate costs wherever possible i think that's uh certainly in you know restricted operators i i I see that as being sort of fairly a fairly common case yeah yeah. it's uh 
oh, the train the train room we can't help this but yeah if you look at the requirements for a standard for a restricted operator's license um, and you look at uh, uh, section 13 of the uh, of the goods vehicle uh, license and operators act 1995 oh really geek uh, thing to know, but it's a, it's a, it, you know, it's a, it's a trainers thing, isn't it? That uh, if you look at section thirteen, or, or you know, it, it calls for um, uh, satisfactory arrangements for, uh, you know, I'll, I'll paraphrase this. I've written it down here, but I'm going to paraphrase: drivers' hours, uh, not to operate the vehicles overloaded, and to keep the vehicles in a fit and serviceable condition. So, it's you know, it's it's kind of a Requirement you do that, it just says you know that there's there's no requirement for the restricted operator's license to name a transport manager, uh, and then to detail the level of competence that transport manager needs. So you know that is definitely there. But you're right, Pete. What you're saying, if you if you sort of said, oh, you know, we, you know, uh, it's it's a cost base, and we need to cover that cost base, and it's not going to be productive for us to to employ a transport manager because they're not bringing anything to the table. Um, so you know they tend to it tends to get sort of washed over as it were. Isn't it? Yeah, definitely. It's it's an interesting one as well, isn't it? It's uh, you you get set up with your restricted operator's license, but where do you go for the information of what you need to do without that transport manager CPC or having a transport manager? Even worse, isn't it? You've got yeah. to, you know zero no, knowledge. No, exactly. Of, of what you know what's required. I think. Um, I, th- I think I think that if you speak to the restricted operators who have been caught out by DVSA stops or have been for um, for public inquiries, I think I think they would likely confirm that you do need a transport manager. Um, but uh, I think I think there's a real level of ignorance. Um, I think to uh, within within restricted operators, and uh, I think if you're a restricted operator listening, I think our advice for you would be. Go and speak to a transport manager and get them to have a look at your business. At the very least, have a compliance audit done, which will get, be an educational process that will show you the shortfalls that you've got within your business. It's amazing. We, we go to customers that are restricted operators and they don't know half the stuff that's required. Or they, they literally look at you in shock. What, we have to do that? Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, it's really important to get someone to look at that. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's right. I mean, without naming any names, we, 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 we've got... We know people that are, uh, you know, they manufacture things. They, they, you know, they build and deliver things. But you know, it's, it's transport isn't their core, core of their business, is it? Transport is, is ancillary to their to their business. So therefore, their expertise isn't in that area, is it? That's the I think that's the problem. Yeah, absolutely. I think um, yeah. If you're a restricted operator's license, listen, please do please do get in touch with flagship partners because we'd love to help you because actually. We know that we can add so much value to your business based on the experience that we've got with our existing restricted operators, who we, we have several. Um, and, and just to outline uh, a situation with, with just one, and I'm sure Jamie's got examples that he can share of another, but to outline an example of one, and we, we would never share names because that's uh, part of the confidential element of what we do. Um, however, we have got an operator who I'd put a proposal in for us to support as a transport manager and the, the, the company directors had winced a little bit at the, at the cost of doing so and um, they then had what I would class as a preventable bridge strike um, which has cost an enormous amount of money 
um, causing damage to the vehicle, uh, causing uh, a big insurance claim, uh, loss of product uh, that was on the back of the vehicle, um, and then and then the investigation process required uh, following that, as well as the obvious letters to the traffic commissioner, etc. So about four weeks prior to the bridge strike incident, I'd submitted our proposal, and there'd been no, there'd been no real transport management of that business. Uh, they, they'd had an external transport manager that had been, uh, I would say, looking after the fleet from arms length um to put to put it bluntly and um yeah they they, they obviously suffered this incident and, and on, on investigation there's been um there's been all sorts of interesting things that have come out of the woodwork as part of as part of going through that process and uh, it's been a massive learning curve and the, the, the public inquiry hasn't even taken place yet that's uh, that's going to be the next thing but uh, it's uh, it really put the operator's license at risk and when you think about the cost of what we would do to prevent that from happening well the the cost of the business of them losing their operator's license and having to subcontract all of their deliveries uh, is is not, huge not is vast in comparison Exactly, exactly. Yeah, absolutely. There's going to be no just popping here and popping there no, to sort exactly. things out, is there? Yeah, that's a great point, Jamie. And, um, you know, a lot of people see that, you know, by using their own fleet to deliver their own goods, they, they have that element of control and they it's would, they would lose right. that. Not, not to say that there's some, you know, not some fantastic hauliers out there that would do a good job, but not having that control is, is, uh, is vital, I think, to some, um, you know, some, some, some restricted operators. But, um, yeah, so there's this notion that, that you know nothing's going to happen to them because they haven't got a transport manager. You know, a public inquiry they will they will quickly find out that uh, public inquiry is a very lonely place to be for somebody who's no who has no knowledge of these kind of things. And, and I know Jamie, you've had some recent experience with uh, uh, representing yeah. a, a client at public inquiry. And you know, would that be somewhere you'd want to go with no knowledge? Definitely not. No. no. Interestingly, as well, we're working with a, a new newish customer to us who. I, I think will be ended up, ended up at a public inquiry and because he's not from the, the transport background I don't think he quite understands the seriousness of it as well so not understanding what can happen if you don't do the things Hi, it's Pete from Flagship Partners We're really proud to sponsor the Fleet Geeks podcast Flagship Partners offer a range of consultancy and training services to ensure that our customers remain compliant and have the best possible knowledge to be able to fulfil their work. If you're interested in support with any of our safety, HR or compliance services or you want to train to be a transport manager or need driver CPC training, give us a call today. I was going to say, that that particular client, Jamie, like... um his his attitude towards the whole incident that's led to him him using us uh, to go and look after the the situation. Just just talk talk us through that situation. Yeah, so the the client his his MOTs were out when he had a vehicle pulled over. No MOT on the vehicle or the trailer. Um, I subsequently went last week to look at this operator, and his other truck was out of MOT. Um, one PMI sheet that you can evidence. Uh, and, and when I was there, he was talking about when this is all sorted, I'm going to put that trailer back on the road and get another truck on the road. <laughs> so it's not understanding. Yeah. Not understanding. Yeah, he's, he's a nice guy and he doesn't want to be doing things wrong. But it's not having that understanding of what's required, what's expected. Uh, and, I'm, and I'm trying to get through to him. This isn't going to be an easy situation, what we're going to find ourselves in. It's going to go to a public inquiry. You've had a truck pulled over with no MOT, the trailer's on the road. It's definitely going to go to a public inquiry. He's had a DVSA visit, which obviously threw up a lot of other things as well. Um, but yeah, it's that, that lack of understanding. 
And, yeah. You know, if it if if it dealt with us probably six months ago, we could have got him on the uh, on the straight and narrow before. But unfortunately, we're there to pick up the pieces. It's much better to get these things in place before. Prevention is always better than the cure, yeah, isn't it? Yeah. And 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 that's the issue is that if he loses that license, uh, you know the. He's going to end up having to subcontract that, you know. His whole business relies all the business, on running yeah. them two trucks that he's got, yeah. And it's uh, it's frightening, and and actually that that particular case, it was quite interesting. When the phone call came through to me, it was um, the the director had clearly blamed the driver and made it clear that it was the driver's fault, and um, that he thought that everything would be okay. And uh, what what's interesting with that is that that sort of lack of understanding around. The management systems that's the expectations of the undertakings that people sign as part of their their application and i think increasingly the o license application process that there, there are companies out there who are doing the o license application process for restricted operators yeah. but actually what are they are they making clear to these restricted operators the actual undertakings that are on on there when they're doing it or are they just clicking through because they do so many and so regularly are they clicking through or at are they actually helping guide um, the the directors, the company directors, through through the process to, right. to be able to do that? Element of it, We've done this, but you need to continue to do this, 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 and etc. Et mm. Yeah. And there's a lot to think about. There's a lot to do, isn't there? Yeah, there is. There is absolutely. And I think I think it's just that lack of understanding that essentially you think that it's going to be the driver's fault that something's gone wrong. The driver didn't do what I told them to do. He didn't take that trailer that I expected him to take. Um, but actually, it's having that VOR system in place to go, actually, that trailer's not got an MOT. It does not go out on the road. It cannot go out yeah. on the road. And as a director, you have allowed that to happen. Well, yeah, the, interestingly, the, uh, the driver was caught out in a car did as well. And the, the comment I got back was, what am I supposed to do? Check all the time. <laughs> Yes, <laughs> yes, exactly what yeah. you're supposed to be doing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that would get back that line, understanding what's required, what's, what needs to be done. Yeah, and I, I think people, people listening will, will largely be enlightened to this anyway. They're going to be listening going, oh, t- tell me something we don't know. But actually, by recording this, you've got, you've got something that you can share with restricted operators. Yeah. If, you know, if you're looking to offer your services, you've got an asset here which you're able to share and get the, educate them, you know, get them to have a listen. Well, it's education, isn't it? Yeah. People generally don't go out and do things wrong. But if yeah, they don't know, they, they can't do it right. And as you say, so ignorance is no defence. You no, know, I didn't not. know. I'm not, a, I'm not a, a CPC holder. We're a restricted operator's licence. How was I to know? Uh, we've got two elements here. You've got the, and I always say this to people, you've got to remember we've got the, we've got the law. So anything to do with construction and use, anything to do with the Road Traffic uh, uh, Act, we've got um, causing or permitting. So causing or permitting that driver to go out without a licence, that driver to go out without an MOT, causing or permitting. And, and, and then we've got the regulatory action uh, that, that is taken by the, the traffic commissioner. And you've only got to look at, um, you know, go on to the DocGov, if you know, anybody's sort of looking for evidence of this, go on to the DocGov website, or the Office of the Traffic Commissioner, decisions, uh, and you'll see, a, you know, the, a, a quite a large number of these people appearing in front of, the traffic commissioner or restricted license holders, mm-hmm. uh, but then you know, half, half the time you've got to have a little sympathy with them because they don't know. But that's it's like, yeah. we've got to do check, yes, yes, yes that's yeah, exactly absolutely. what you've got to do. Brilliant, uh, br- it, it is a tricky thing, isn't it? Because when, when you when I sort of compare and contrast to the, the health and safety uh, legislation and my understanding of that and uh, the level of ignorance around that as well, because 
the expectation is, is that you have this cultural learning of how things are done around here and how, how things should be. But to enable things to be done properly, there has to be that level of education. And, and I, I, just wanna, I, I just want to challenge, whilst we're recording this and, and we're starting to think about these things, as an industry, are we doing enough to educate rest- restricted operators? Are we doing enough to communicate with them and meet them at their level? Are we doing enough with the different trade organisations? You know, a really good example is um, I know a, a fellow safety professional who was in uh, part of the Glazing Federation, for example. Now they'll have multiple um, they'll have multiple uh, restricted operators as part part of that Glazing Federation or. Um, you know, we've we've just moved into Rose Group, who who happen to actually have standard national uh, operator licenses, particularly for their builders merchant. Even though they don't really need one, they could get away with the restricted, but they wanted to um, have that have that ability and flexibility. And they've got a very good knowledge of um, their uh, their transport operation, and 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 we also are are also a client of ours. But they're part of a national buying group, which is a lot of the independents of builders merchants, for example, who were largely be restricted operators are we reaching out to them and educating their members around what's involved with o licensing and i think um you know it it sort of begs the question that there's uh there's a real place for um the the education piece i think when we go to the different trade organizations it's not a tick box exercise and you know i always think bring it back to its its lowest common denominator which is road safety which is what the purpose of the operator license is is all about isn't it it's about road safety so it i came down this morning came down the a1 i only just a short drop down to the brand new offices which are looking extremely good and um you know as i'm coming down to a row of traffic that's coming off of the uh coming off the stamford turn um everything's breaking on the a1 i see a truck in my rear view mirror and i'm hoping that that driver is going to be properly qualified that the driver is not going to be tired because they've been driving too many hours because they don't understand the rules. I'm hoping that the brakes on that vehicle are going to work reasonably well because it's been maintained properly uh, and, and basically it's not going to run into the back of me and wipe me out. I don't give a jot of, of what operator's license is in the window. It could be any operator's license in the window. I, I just want that vehicle to be safe and I want that vehicle to stop. And at the end of the day, that's what it's about. It doesn't matter what operator's license window is, it, disc is in the window. Uh, you just want those as a member of the public uh, you know another road use you just want those things to be to be right don't you that's the thing yeah absolutely and i think that, that you you lead into another another great challenge around the restricted operator is that if if they've got no one in their business who is covering the regulation and managing the drivers effectively, they're going to run freaking riot. Yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they? They're they absolutely yeah. going to run the place in circles. And that that's quite frightening because actually many times the drivers will potentially have worked for standard national and international operators previously where they've been closely managed. And all of a sudden, when you have that culture of uh, this culture shock of, um, Oh, the expectations changed here. Oh, oh, oh! Actually, I can get home on Friday at that time. Yeah, exactly. yeah. yeah. I can get home on Friday at that time. Do you know what? No one's even going to know. No one's going to know. Oh, I'm just going to put my card out. No one's going to yeah, know. Yeah. You know, because sometimes a little bit of knowledge is actually almost more dangerous, isn't it? Yeah. yeah almost yeah. more dangerous. And some drivers, I'm not saying all drivers. I'm not going to tire everyone with the same brush. But there's going to be plenty of drivers out there for restricted operators who are massively taking the piss. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. And, and I think to bring that into it again, into a reflection that, that, that that's uh, 
someone with that knowledge can bring to a restricted operator is we're going to save them money at the end of the day. We're going to we're going to operate the transport operation. The transport operation is going to be more efficient and hence save them money. So there's that. We can bring the compliance element and we can bring the safety element, but we can also bring the business acumen uh, element to it. Protecting the business name even. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I was going to say uh, protecting the brand. How how much do these companies price, pay on marketing their business? Well, you know they can they can quickly ruin that overnight. They the the driver efficiency gains, the compliance gains, the overall productivity gains, um, essentially for for a relatively small investment. Excuse me. And on that cough, I think we're going to tie this one up because I need a I need a glass of water. Um, Gents, thank you very much. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. Hope you've enjoyed listening and please do share it with your restricted operator friends. And if they uh, if they have any queries, they're more than welcome to get in touch and we'd be delighted to help them. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. If you did, please share with your friends and colleagues too. Join us for free on Facebook with the Fleet Geeks community for transport and fleet managers. Fleet Geeks offers ongoing professional development, networking and mentoring too. So get in touch with me, Pete Rushmer, on any social media platform to find out more.